and we are live. Hello, data storytellers. This is our new episode with Siddhartha Chatterjee. Well, Sid is a great guy. I met him in London a couple of years ago. We had uh, uh, an interesting conversation, and now we continue on the podcast. Sid is the Chief Data and Analytics Officer, the Head of Data and Analytics at Group ADP, uh, which is locally known as Aeroport de Paris. Uh, excuse my French. Uh, it's not great. It's been a while since I, uh, since I learned it and I already forgot, but it's basically Paris airports. So right. Sid, first of all, welcome on the show. It's uh, good to have you here. Hi, Laszlo. Uh, great to uh, connect with you and uh, good to catch up after several years when, when we met for the first time in uh, one of your conferences in London. Yeah, fantastic. And Look, not everyone will know uh, who you are and where you're coming from. So can you just bring the, the audience up to speed? Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, your role right now at Group ADP? What do you do? Yeah, sure. So, so I joined Group ADP about uh, five years back as head of data and analytics. And I uh, work in the customer division of the company, which is essentially in charge of the entire customer strategy. And the customer... Uh, for a, a airport group such as ours is the we have got two customer groups so you have the passengers uh, millions of passengers who uh, visit our airports and then you also have uh, the airline companies but we are very focused on the passenger strategy because that's what you know has a, a huge impact on our uh, business and also on our reputations um, and adp aeroport de paris is uh, the company which manages all the three airports in Paris, which is Charles de Gaulle, Arly, and Le Bourget. Uh, and we also have an international um, business where we operate about 30 airports globally in different continents. Okay. Uh, and you do have an interesting journey here. So you started off in 2016 as the head of uh, data in digital, and then you also... Uh, work with the data privacy. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey, first of all, of how you, how you got into data, even maybe even before uh, Group ADP? What was your journey into the, into the world of data? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so I can have a short answer or I could have a little longish answer. If, 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 if it's okay with you, maybe I'll, I'll come from the beginning. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. I'm, I'm genuinely interested in what brought you into that very exciting field. Yeah, sure. So it's an interesting story. Um, it was kind of uh, not completely planned. So I, I grew up. I grew up in India. That's where I, I, I come from, and uh, we moved around a lot because my father was uh, working in the Indian Air Force. So uh, I ended up changing like thirteen schools in about twelve years. So um, so that was my uh, that was my childhood, and then I uh, did my bachelor's in computer science engineering from India. Uh, and I was hired by one of the top uh, Indian tech firms to uh, work as a software engineer. Hmm. This was uh, way back in 2009. And that's when there was the financial recession, which was happening in the, in the U.S. And a lot of the customers of that company were in the U.S. So they were kind of uh, delaying a little bit the joining date. Uh, so in the meanwhile, I, I kind of uh, thought of maybe, you know, applying elsewhere uh, abroad and, uh, you know, go for a, a master's or an M.S., and I applied in Europe because my family was already based there. Uh, and I got it, uh, accepted by a few universities. And I had the uh, opportunity of, uh, of being selected in one of the European Union Commission master's program. Uh, those days, the, the topic was called data mining and knowledge management, uh, which was essentially uh, big data and artificial intelligence. But, but in 2009, nobody used those terms. Uh, so I was I was not very familiar with the with the domain because I was essentially trained as a as as a as, as a software uh, software guy uh, with some background in maths and stats and stuff like that. So I, once I once we started doing the research about about the content of that master in data mining and knowledge management, uh, I I quickly realized that it's a it's a field which is uh, sort of core science and is going to you know um, really grow in the future and. One of the main advantages of data mining and knowledge management was that, you know, it's applied across all sectors, right? So whether it's from a uh, toothpaste manufacturing company to a cosmetics company to aviation company, you know, so data mining is something that you require everywhere and it can have a profound impact in the business. So that's how actually I got into the, I, I did that master's for a couple of years and then I did my internship and from there on, you know, I've been, I've been working in France and in Paris for the last 10 years. 
Okay. That's, that's how I entered the the the, the field. Okay, really cool. And um, how uh, were the past couple of years for you guys? Obviously, you work in a an industry that has been heavily impacted uh, by the pandemic too. So, uh, what have you guys been working on lately? Yeah, sure. So, um, so the COVID has had a huge impact on the entire travel industry, you know, mm. per se. Uh, and and ours is uh, at the intersection of uh, three industries essentially the tourism sector the aviation and also the retail because we have huge uh, retail operations within the airport uh, so 2020 was was uh, was quite difficult because there was a massive drop in you know passenger traffic numbers uh, we had to kind of start shut down a lot of our uh, terminals and activities uh, and from there on about six months later it's been steadily coming up uh, and now it's 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 it's, it's coming up a lot uh, the traffic is going back again because people want to travel and you know the the, the rules are getting slightly uh, easier uh, by the day uh, so to answer your question i mean uh, we need to reinvent the whole uh, travel space right including the retail space and this is a phenomena which is happening all over across all industries. Uh, so, so the prime concern for you know for the travel sector is to you know give the confidence back to the customers or the mm. consumer. Right? So they need to have uh, confidence to be able to travel in security, you know, uh, peacefully, etc. Uh, without you know having those extra uh, uh, stresses around you know sanitary protocols and and, and things like that. Uh, and another objective is uh, how can you provide them with the right information, right? So that's where data also comes into play because you need to have very high quality information that you are able to, you know, give them through the digital, even if they are not traveling, you know, through the digital, trying to keep the contact with your customer base for uh, as long as possible. And lastly, uh, because of the economic crisis, which is, you know, which, is, uh, uh, which has taken place due to the health crisis, so we also need to optimize all our processes and, you know, our operations, uh, relook at the offering that we provide at the retail, the kind of services that we provide. Uh, so that's where also you have op uh, artificial intelligence, which comes into play. For example, um, we've been optimizing our call centers, you know, because even though people were not taking flights, but they had already tickets booked. So they kept calling us to get information and, you know, they were in a, a panic state of mind. Uh, so we had like huge surge in calls. So that's where we looked at AI because the humans were not able to, you know, tackle this kind of uh, uh, traffic, which was coming uh, to kind of automate certain redundant questions and things like that. So there's a lots, uh, lots of areas where, um, you know, where we can, uh, where we work. Um, and especially, I mean, the, the COVID crisis has kind of changed all the priorities. So we need to now, you know, go by the new priorities and, help in reinventing the travel sector. Mm. And what ultimately earns you the mandate that you have now as chief data officer? I think when we met in London, uh, and that was, I think, in, in 2019, uh, maybe you were already in that role or did you just, uh, were you just fresh in that new responsibility back in 2019? Yeah, so I was, uh, I, this was in 2019, if, right? We I, th I think 2019. Yeah, we had a lot of events around the time, but I think it was maybe beginning of 2019. Yeah, yeah, true. So, um, so I joined the company end of 2016 or you know early 2017, um, and my uh, first mandate was to you know really help the digital transformation of the company by using data and analytics and putting data and analytics at the center of our digital transformation. And within the trans digital transformation, we had lots of topics such as e-commerce and uh, loyalty program and CRM and you know digital um, uh, interfaces with our customers. Um, and every uh, couple of years or year year or so, so we kept uh, onboarding more and more uh, business units to collaborate with us on the data analytics. So eventually, we started working with the aviation marketing department, the retail. Uh, the, the the parking departments and also a lot of work with the operations, you know, department in order to work on the uh, passenger fluidity or the the seamless door to door uh, experience of our passengers within our uh, thirty different airports. And lately, I've been also uh, working more on internationally to help our other airports, which are part of the group, uh, 
uh, to kind of export the, the expertise that we have gained over the last five years. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. So I would like to understand a little bit more about the challenges that you had uh, along the journey. Maybe a good um, starting point would be that presentation that we uh, just talked about before we started recording from uh, Cosmondo from KLM. So when you attended, we had different case studies that we looked at during the day that you guys could have some intimate conversations around. Um, Cosmondo talked about uh, organizational management and um, getting funding for different projects, really uh, enabling the business um, through value in data and making them see and perceive data in a different way that made them more receptive and um, just more willing to invest in, in data. So first of all, why did you find that presentation? I know it's been a while, but why did you find the presentation useful? Um, for, 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 for one, it was presentation of a colleague uh, uh, from Air France, which is one of our you know, main uh, clients uh, with whom we work and uh, who get us a chunk of the passengers who use our airports. That was one. And secondly, um, he's, uh, there was a lot of content around you know, organization and how they organize their, uh, you know, their data teams and how they got budgets, etc. So, which was uh, which was sort of interesting for me at that point because I had started the journey, whereas he was already, I guess, three or four years in the journey. Uh, so, so there was there was there were some pointers to take home, mm. and then we kept in touch for a while. Uh, eventually, I think uh, we moved on uh, on different projects, but then uh, but then it was it was good to yeah. get how Air France was uh, working on this topic. Yeah, Cosmato is also also a great guy, and. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about the journey um, of uh, organizational management, as you moved into, into these roles, what were the biggest challenges for you on that road? What were the bottlenecks uh, for you as a professional? So I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm less interested in uh, the company at large, but I'm very uh, interested in hearing your perspective. So what were your main challenges on the journey? Yeah, sure. And uh, before I answer that question, I think you had asked me also about my role as uh, 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 in the privacy mm. uh, topic. So, uh, so I do manage the GDPR compliances for my uh, department, which is the customer uh, department, and I kind of uh, work closely with the data privacy officer. So, which is which is interesting because that way you have, you know, sort of uh, uh, one foot in the you know in the compliance, and the other one which is more aggressive, which is on uh, you know taking uh, and taking advantage uh, of your data assets assets so it kind of helps you to uh, keep a balance uh, on the domain uh, now coming back to your question about uh, about the challenges that i faced so uh, so challenges are uh, are multiple and you know i can talk about the challenges at uh, adp uh, but then uh, prior to adp i was working uh, in the you know, in the in the marketing and communications uh, industries such as Ogilvy and Publicis, where uh, it was a totally different ball game mm-hmm. because I was more on the you know consulting side, and we had to work with clients and we had to convince them uh, the value of uh, of of data analytics and uh, semantic analysis and stuff like that. So that was quite useful actually uh, when I when I actually arrived at an enterprise like ADP, you know, which is uh, which is has its own business and. You know the the main objective is to um, is to optimize and uh, create value for your own operations. Uh, so the fact of having done that for multiple uh, companies in my uh, prior jobs was useful to uh, start working with the internal stakeholders. Uh, but first and foremost, the challenge is obviously to uh, to position yourself. I mean, um, you know, I, I mentioned to you. Uh, one of the reasons I joined this field is because it's a core science and it's ap- uh, applicable everywhere. Uh, you know, like let's say you know economics or you know finance or you can also look take the example of steel. You know, steel is uh, if you, in, in the earlier days. I mean, that's something which is kind of used everywhere, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, now with digital, it has less value. But uh, in the physical world, steel was kind of a core science. So I look at data uh, in a similar similar fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 that's not the case with everybody else, right? So all the stakeholders, so uh, so they need to understand what your role is uh, and why does your department exist within the company, and how can you uh, bring value to uh, the stuff that they are already doing, 
because mm-hmm. data is not something which is new right so we've been you know companies have been uh, analyzing data and using data for for ages so what's mm-hmm. this uh, whole uh, you know um, data scientist role or you know data analytics division so so you need to be very clear uh, about your value proposition and once that value proposition is clear then you need to explain it to uh, to your other stakeholders uh and the f- i think the f- the foremost challenge is to gain trust so you need to gain that trust and because mm-hmm. once you once you gain that trust within the within the organization uh from your different colleagues and your stakeholders then it becomes much easier um and secondly uh i think one of the biggest challenges and and, and i think it's it's across all companies is to put in place a good governance right mm. uh governance and governance uh, has has many uh, areas around it for me i look at governance from uh, basically three or four point of views uh, one is the governance of the technology which is very important because if you even though technology is a means to achieve what we want to achieve using data uh, but it is still a very vital component right without the technology you can't go go forward so that's why you need a a proper governance with your you know it department and with the other uh, people who can you know where you have a consensus about the right tools uh, and solutions that you want to use uh, going ahead uh, then the second uh, for me is uh, the governance around business cases right because mm-hmm. uh, you can always i mean when you talk with your stakeholders and you want to collaborate with them i mean they will have ideas you will have ideas and you need to come to a consensus and you need to come up with the you know right business cases uh, use cases you know which uh, which will potentially be successful um successful and uh, and 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 you need to prioritize them right so that's where the governance of coming up with use cases business cases and the priorities so that's something mm-hmm. which is very important and that is something that you need to create uh, bottom up right so you can't uh, you 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 can't impose your ideas on your stakeholders so you need to let them you know talk express uh, you need to figure out all their uh, pain points and from there it is a you know a, a bi-directional communication where you know you you brainstorm you interact and you come up with these use cases these mission critical use cases mm-hmm. so um so the technology piece and then the, the the use cases piece the priorities and then for me comes the topic of collaboration right mm-hmm. and that's where you you need a very strong governance around collaboration and for me co- collaboration has to be co-creation right so it cannot be completely you know centralized where uh, where my department is uh, you know building up the products and then just you know delivering it like you know vendors mm-hmm. uh, but then we really want the business stakeholder to collaborate on this process and at times uh, it's not just the internal stakeholders we also work with external stakeholders partners you know a company is a is a is a culmination of employees uh and partners and customers right so we also work with partners and when we work with partners so we are so we we ask them to exchange information data with us and then we ask them to collaborate with us on the products that we want to build which can get value uh, out of it um and the fourth one is the governance around the finance part and the the roi you know which is again uh, and that and it gets me back to that presentation of uh, cospando at air france Mm-hmm. You know, and how do you uh, how can you you know get funding for your projects um and i think the f- the first three points that i mentioned technology business cases priorities uh, uh and the collaboration uh, enables you to build that storytelling you know uh, for your uh, higher management to then unlock those budgets right mm-hmm. uh, yeah so that makes perfect sense so there's just so much to talk about here i took a uh, took a bunch of notes so of course when you uh, want to communicate a vision you want to gain trust and then even the question of governance apart from the very specific technological pieces this is all about people this is all about getting through to people and uh making them change not only how they see data and how they see the connection between data and their own work but actually getting them to make decisions in your favor So there's that c- central idea of storytelling. Storytelling is kind of like a buzzword we know very well. Uh but uh there's something real underneath storytelling and you don't tell stories for the sake of telling stories. You tell storytelling uh, <laughs> you tell stories to be persuasive and you tell them with intention. So what were the main pitfalls you think? So when you first of all try to communicate that vision 
to the stakeholders and you uh, try to get trust. Looking back, um, if you reflect on your journey, what were the main pitfalls in this and what makes makes this whole process effective and what should people who are aspiring to a similar position to where you are now, what should they take into strong consideration? What should they prioritize and what should they aim to avoid? Yeah, sure. Um, so the, the keyword that you use is people, right? And uh, I'm, f- I'm fully, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fully with you on this one. Uh, I, uh, I totally agree. It's a, it's a totally a, a people's, uh, people's game. Uh, and this is where uh, we, there's also the topic of culture, right? The culture is so important. Um, and the data-driven culture or the data literacy. I mean, there are so many, so, so many terms. And, and one of the ways to drive that culture is not to use too many buzz, buzzwords because that confuses people. Um, yeah. So the pitfalls is often... Um, it's often often around the the the, the, the promise, right? Uh, I mean, uh, and and for me, uh, there are two aspects. If you want to, you know, ha- be successful in the data analytics journey, there are two two aspects which are very important. One is talent, right? So you need to be able to attract the talent. So here it's again people, uh, and to attract one of the best ways to attract talent is to you know um, have exciting projects, you know, for your uh, team members. And those exciting projects can only be given to you, you know, from the stakeholders or the business units, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, uh, and, and the business units, uh, stakeholders, what they expect is, uh, you know, how you go, uh, how you going to bring value to them without actually uh, increasing their workload. And, and that's a very important aspect because, uh, I mean, often, you know, Teams are small and lean, and they already have huge amounts of uh, uh, existing missions and objectives. Uh, so, so your proposition has to be quite sharp, you know, and and it has to start small. You know, you need to show them value, and it has to be, you know, uh, something small that you eventually start scaling up, um, scaling up where they actually see the value. It can be very simple stuff like you know just automating maybe some. Uh, analysis that they do on Excel, and 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 over a period of time, they have too much of data on their Excel's, and they have too much of macros, etc. So you just automate that, you know, and that's very quickly it can bring some value to them. You, know, you can set up a small report, interactive report, you know, and then step by step you can say, all right, okay, now we have this report, we have you know automated your uh, your process. Uh, why not let's try a you know a predictive model and then try and predict the sales that you're going to generate next six months, right? Then there'll be a lot of questions. Oh, prediction is, you know, it's not so reliable in our case because there are so many factors, these factors. So that's again, so you need to be proactive and, and you need to be constantly in a mindset of service, you know, because we, mm-hmm. you know, we, 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 we are essentially a support uh, organization, right? So, so we don't sell data, right? So we, our product is not data. So we are, so our department is existing in order to uh, make other departments more efficient, and make them look good. So that's another important point. So you should uh, try and make your internal stakeholders look good, right? And look smarter. Mm. And everything that you can do to, you know, give them that service. And at times, maybe you need to, you know, do the work for them because uh, you need to train them. You need to, you know, uh, provide them with, uh, you know, very solid guidelines. You know, so I think that's one of the ways that you can get that trust and you can overcome those pitfalls while, um, you know, onboarding uh, stakeholders. Hmm. This is great stuff because uh, it's all connected, right? So in order to get good talent, which will enable you to do strong work, then it's to get exciting projects. How do you get exciting projects? Well, of course, it comes from the business. So I'm just kind of reiterating what you said because I find it really useful. Uh, so it comes from the business. Now, the business will give you exciting projects only if you earned it. And during that 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 process of earning it, well, you need to start small and you got to have that sharp proposition. But during that process, you will generate the trust too. And ultimately, as you do this, you're building this asset, this almost library of success stories, which will help you to get better talent. But also now you have trust in the business. Everything will become easier. And this is exactly why we like to focus on these key elements that will give you a great return on your investment if you do the right things. That's fantastic. So the next part, the next part is when you mentioned even good governance and uh, 
having these strong use cases. How do you make sure that you communicate this well to the business? Um, have you identified any best practices during your career of effective communication of success stories? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I have uh, realized or you know understood uh, during my you know, experience is that you need to rely on uh, on communities, right? Because uh, often, I mean, data organizations or departments, you know, there are a handful of people, right? Maximum, you know, 10, 15, 20. Whereas within an enterprise, you have, you know, thousands and thousands of people. So it's impossible uh, for a, you know, core group of individuals to communicate all your success stories, etc. Uh, to all these employees. So you need to build communities. Uh, and then, you know, and those communities need to be hybrid communities. So you just can't have group of geeks or techies within that community. So you need to have, you know, business people, you need to have legal people, you need to have uh, technical people, uh, technologists, etc. Um, and then, uh, uh, and, and then make them your advocates, you know, make them your advocates, and they are the ones who are going to go and, you know, communicate um, to uh, their colleagues and, you know, their colleagues, etc. And say, hey, look, look at, you know, look at that department. I mean, they automated all the reports. You know, they have now a, an automated predictive model that allows them to go faster in the work. So then you're going to get a, you know, a new customer on board who's going to ask you for the same thing, same thing. And uh, uh, but eventually, what will happen is that you start getting, you know, once it, once you're, once you are able to uh, diffuse the success stories across the company, then the uh, then the inbound demand starts increasing, and that's where you got to be very careful of not to, uh, you know, um, not to disappoint people, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where the initial governance around priorities, etc., is very important. Uh, and and you need to take your time, you know, before you uh, start building stuff or you start, you know, launch, uh, you know, investing in certain areas. And often it's underlooked, you know, it's not. Uh, given enough importance, the whole process of, uh, you know, of doing rigorous planning and rigorous, you know, biz, uh, defining the, the problem before you start, you know, uh, working on it. Mm. So, and, and, it, and all of this is a vicious, it's not a vicious cycle, sorry, it's like a cycle that you rightly summarized it just before, you know, you start small and you show value. And when you start small, the advantage is that the risk of failure is little, right? Um, so, so, so we, we, we kind of uh, work, um, uh, we've come up with a concept. I mean, it's a common concept called MVP. So whenever we start a project, so we say that we'll we'll work in uh, MVP mode, minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean a a, a a data product over here. And uh, and you'll be surprised. I mean, the one MVP, uh, you know, at times it could be as small as a week of uh, effort. You know, mm -hmm. and within that week, also you're working on other stuff, right? So we say, okay, we'll go for it. We'll give it a week. We'll see if something, you know, something viable comes out of it. If not, we stop, right? Uh, so managing expectations is extremely important. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's the key because, uh, you know, if you engage a certain stakeholder on a very long period of time and eventually the thing doesn't work and everybody has invested too much money, too much effort, you know, then they don't want to come back and, you know, do the same thing again. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, so learn fast, uh, fail fast. I think that, that really work helps over here. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, so good that you mentioned the inbound request, because that's the position that you want to be in. The inbound requests also signals to you that now people have trust in data, they have expectations, they are excited about it. And it's a good position to be in because you don't need to chase down people and you don't need to try and make look useful because they are already coming to you. Fantastic. But again, you got to earn it. And this whole idea about building the journey. And, and that's a journey, you know, before that inbound request starts to flowing in, I mean, that takes time and, and, and you need to be very careful not to, you know, fail at that aspect because un other, uh, if not, then you'll always be in the outbound mode, right? Always going and persu persuading uh, people to, you know, work with you. Exactly. And you mentioned that the key to that or one of the keys is to have good business cases that you can then diffuse in the business. Now, I took a note here, which was really important about how to make sure that you invest in the right project. And one of the keys here is to identify pain points, business pain points, because you need to build it from bottom up. Okay, how do you do that? How do you identify the right pain points? And maybe here, if you want, you can get a little bit more technical of, okay, this is how I identify the right stakeholder, the right user, and then this is my approach to getting into their head and identifying their right desires and goals, and then 
uh, really connecting that to something that I can offer. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, th this is a very important uh, aspect. And uh, to be honest, uh, uh, it's not easy. And there is there is no, uh, you know, uh, one way path to identifying that pain point. Uh, one of the ways, especially when you're starting small, you know, I, I spoke about my journey where we started with the digital transformation, then we you know, started working on other aspects, uh, eventually, uh, just give me a second. And sure, take time. Uh, yeah. So the advantage of, you know, uh, of, of, of starting focused and then starting small and eventually scaling up is that you, uh, you start with one pain point and then you, what I call is a link pain points, right? Mm. So, so there's, there's, you're working on this particular problem. Um, you know, I'm kind of thinking of an example, let's say you're trying to work on, uh, how do you, uh, improve your media, media targeting. Mm -hmm. you know, on SEA, on Google or something like that, right? So, so you work on that and you try and see, you know, how can you use data to optimize that? And then you suddenly come across the fact that uh, my media I can optimize, but actually uh, there is some problem in the customer journey on the website, right? So there's no point targeting with good keywords if your uh, website experience is shit, right? So then mm -hmm. you can go and talk with the uh, people who are in charge of the, uh, you know, of the, let's say the, uh, the customer journey and then you 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 tell them that look i'm working on this uh you know media optimization problem and i thought that maybe there's some aspect on the uh, on the customer journey that we can improve on the di digital what do you think right so so this i call is a linked pain point right mm -hmm. and from there you can maybe you can figure out that the products that you're selling uh, there is some pricing issue or you know uh, or there is an op inventory optimization problem so 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 you keep going one at a at a at a, at a time Another way of uh, identifying pain points is uh, is 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 going by the uh, uh, by the company KPIs or metrics. So every company has certain objectives, annual objectives, etc. And you'll always find certain KPIs which are the most impactful, right, for the entire company performance. Performance, and then you need to you can identify who are the people who are driving those KPIs, right. And how can you as a, a data analytics uh, expert uh, bring value to them uh, to optimize or to, you know, accelerate the performance of their KPIs, right? So that is more, uh, this is less of a linked pain point, but it's more proactively you're mm. searching for, you know, uh, uh, operational excellence or business excellence, you know. So essentially you go and ask uh, to your, you know, stakeholder as to how you can help them achieve excellence. And eventually, in in that discussion, you come, you know, they themselves come up with their pain points, and and you understand that okay, you know, even before I try and improve the global KPI, there are many sub pain points which has to be solved. Uh, so it's better to you know uh, tackle those first rather than uh, rather than attacking the bigger problem, you know, which will eventually uh, eventually come through. Mm -hmm. so, uh, you have to have an open mindset that. What you think? I mean, uh, don't be shy of expressing it or or, or sharing it. But eighty or ninety percent of the times, you 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 will be wrong, and 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 the and the uh, business stakeholder will actually you know re guide you towards the right pain point, right? So that's mm -hmm. where it's a bit like learning a language. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when I came to France and I learned French, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so somebody told me that uh, don't be shy uh, of making a fool of yourself. You know, when, mm -hmm. you, when, when you want to learn a language. So go out there and make mistakes and people will correct you and then you will find the right right, uh, right formula. <laughs> mm. That's actually a great pivot to the whole collaboration and co-creation aspect because as you uh, get on the same page with the business, as you bridge that uh, language barrier, basically, uh, collaboration is all about that, like speaking the same language so you can move towards a, the same goal. You will have shared goals, but also diverse perspectives. So that can make that collaboration really fruitful. Can we talk a little bit more about this? Like collaboration, and you mentioned something about co-creation. Um, how can you make people really invested in this? What are the keys to consider? And you want to bring people along with you on the journey. So uh, the co-creation uh, piece is uh, super important for me uh, from the aspect of uh, domain knowledge. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes, I mean, the the kind of uh, problems on which we work uh, involves uh, multiple, um, you know, domains. You know, I'll give you an example of uh, of 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 airport advertising. So we 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 do advertising within the airport. So you've got these, you know, digital screens all over all over all over the airport, and then we have brands who uh, sort of buy inventory, and then they. you know then they do campaigns and the goal of these campaigns is to generate more sales in our shops right so so when you when you look at this problem there are there's multiple uh, areas that you are trying to you know uh, juggle with so one is uh, an advertising problem related problem so how do you optimize your um, you know the, the 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 screen inventory uh, then you have a retail problem is that is your you know campaign enough uh, optimized enough or targeted enough to drive people uh, you know drive more sales within the uh, within the retail outlets outlets and the last one is more linked to the passenger flow or you know operational uh, efficiency of how you know easily and how are people moving within the airport right uh, so 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 you've got these different uh, different areas that you need to kind of uncover and data is at the at the center obviously uh so this is where co-creation is very important you know where uh you you know bring in an operational uh expert you know who has a domain knowledge about the passenger flow and then you work with uh, the partner who actually supplies you the digital screens uh and who launches the campaigns and they have extensive knowledge about uh, the advertising at the airport and in outdoor advertising uh, and we are data analytics experts and we have uh, sort of uh, you know transversal knowledge about different topics you know Mm-hmm. uh so this is where co-creation becomes very really useful because each one has very important inputs to give during the whole process right sometimes we have you know data scientists uh, from different teams coming together and collaborating on the on on the same product because uh, every data scientist is more close to the domain area on which he's working right mm-hmm. so this is where if you if you collaborate and if it is not a centralized approach you know you can you make less mistakes and eventually the return on investment is much higher because everyone is bringing value on his own uh, uh own um, you know uh, expertise expertise mm-hmm. uh and, and 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 often when we work with the business units business units i mean we kind of try and make them the product owners right the products that we are building or the value that we are bringing them you know if if they can become owners of that product you know then they will help a lot to drive the whole you know a uh, journey of that product and make that product you know uh, long lasting uh, with a continuous improvement uh, strategy strategy this is where the co-creation aspect is extremely important mm. uh, certain things need to be uh, very centralized and you know there, there has to be discipline and that's on the data so you want the data to be at the same place so that it is accessible to everybody uh, it is uh, in a you know in a quality which is acceptable otherwise otherwise what you build will not have value uh, mm-hmm. and then you need to have uh, you know guidelines uh, around this collaboration and uh, around the you know the the, the products etc that you're building uh, within this governance framework so as long as your data is centralized your tools are you know available and uh, the access to that data is uh, fast uh, and timely timely then i mean there's there you can always you know bring in more people and then you know collaborate with them to uh to take advantage basically of expertise of each uh, each individual and and uh, partner hmm and this ties so nicely into the whole idea of thinking thinking about yourself as a support function which you are you know and having that mindset of service because then you can just focus on what you need to set the the your customers ultimately within the business up for success in order to make them look good and uh if they are invested in that you can really just enhance that effect so this ties into the question of relationships so uh long term now you had enough time o- also at group adp how did all this affect your relationships within the company with key stakeholders and uh what are the opportunities that open up from being able to leverage those yeah um absolutely so 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 i i spoke about we, uh, when we spoke about the people aspect and uh, you know we spoke about talent and how can you uh, recruit uh, how how can you attract talent and uh, to uh, to attract uh, high quality talent you need to have uh, you know amazing projects for them and these projects you can actually create 
unless uh, you cannot create unless and until you have you know profound uh, deep relationship uh, you know across the uh, company across the uh, business units right uh, because they are the one who are running the company on a daily basis so you need to have uh, and that um, uh, relationship uh, cannot you know purely be uh, sort of uh, uh, you know technical or let's say you know uh, service oriented where uh, even though we do uh, look at uh, ourselves as a support you know organization trying to provide service but at the same time um, uh, we need to uh, you know uh, be uh, or behave like business leaders you know mm-hmm. uh, business leader and that's extremely important uh, quality to have you know and this is where uh, 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 a data function is different from let's say an it function is because people expect your function to you know uh, to provide service but also have that business leader mindset right where you're able to understand the business understand the business right mm-hmm. so so um, uh, so through the communities and through the interactions uh, that you make with the uh, with the uh, key sto- stakeholders it cannot always be centered around data right so this is also a big learning uh, process for the uh, for the organization our uh, team for myself included is to be constantly in the process of understanding the business of our stakeholder right and from that obviously you start building uh, uh, strong relationships and then you know and you also build up a strong network right and uh, this network is internal it's also external uh you know we also try and take inspiration from our peers in you know in other companies uh, in other sectors etc to understand how they organize themselves you know how they set up their governance you know what are the uh, success stories etc um so 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 deep profound relationships uh, is extremely important uh, you know to be able to run this function effectively uh, and there's no two ways around it Uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's not all uh, uh, it's not always easy i mean at mm-hmm. times uh, you may be uh, you may have you know uh, difficult uh, situations or you know uh, conflicts let's say uh, on certain uh, areas uh, but the only way to you know get around this is through effective communication so mm-hmm. that's something which is uh, which is uh, extremely vital because the end game end objective is to you know impact that culture to you know mold that culture and uh, to bring in change right and change is not always uh, smooth so you may have you know thorns and rough edges etc and you need to overcome it but the best tool is communication so even if uh, you're in a diff- difficult uh, situation i mean you need to be frank and open about it and not let that you know come in the way of the progress that you want you want to make right so so you you got to be open about it and maybe you know just inform uh, the set of individuals that look it's not working maybe there's a problem in communication or you know understanding uh on this project or otherwise etc so how can we solve it right uh, mm. if you don't do that then you know eventually uh, you're going to you know shut down opportunities and you know uh, you you won't get to that level that you're looking you know you, you would like to uh, reach mm-hmm. no that makes perfect sense and it actually brings me to um uh, something that we kind of uh found during this exploration during our work as investigative journalists in the data world which is this uh, trinitarian structure of storytelling uh, let me explain so this is really about storytelling having three key elements one is the storyteller then you have the person you're telling the story to your audience and you have the story shared between them so we talk a lot about you know what makes makes a good story what makes communication effective and powerful and colorful and also talk about how to connect with your audience in an authentic way how to apply empathy to understand what they actually need and what are their pain points but the storyteller so you as a leader is just as important and you also you mentioned here that you got to be a business leader so uh, can you say a few words about what what virtues you think makes a good business leader the word virtue really just means good habit i think the original greek word uh, uh means both habit and character right that's what a virtue is it's a habit it's a positive habit of character so uh, what do you think makes a good data leader who has compelling leadership presence yeah absolutely so um so for i think for a for the little difference of a data leader versus you know any other business leader is that you know a data leader also uh, should be a business leader uh, with a you know strong technical know how uh so if you're able to juggle between the two uh, it's icing on the cake um but uh one of the main virtues in uh, you know or the two virtues i think 
is the ability to motivate people motivate your team uh, you know you can take uh, uh, inspiration from the way the military functions right so so a leader needs to motivate his uh, his 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 men uh, so similarly i think a data leader needs to you know motivate his teams uh, motivate his stakeholders etc uh, and needs to be extremely persuasive i think persuasive or and and positive per- persuasive uh, is very important because you're not going to get what you want very easily uh, and because this role is so much oriented around change and you know in order to create that change you need to create that you know uh, you know positive environment uh, motivate people uh, be persuasive uh, and be extremely results oriented because uh, there's no point on you know on on trying to create change without you know clear results objectives um, you know in order to really balance between innovation and business so you need to have that innovation side to you uh, but not at the cost of the business right uh yeah yeah so 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 i think i think these are the these are the these are the main aspects uh, along with that obviously uh, you know anything to do with creativity and and and, and strategic uh, uh uh you know inclinations uh they go a long way but uh, but i look at this whole job as a as a ch- uh, chief change agent you know for the company and you know how good you are at 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 uh, creating change breaking silos i mean we spoke you asking about uh, challenges having siloed data you know uh, within organizations is a big challenge uh, you know time to market is a big challenge you know you may have the right ideas but you may not get the people on boarded at the right time you know to have the right time to market so uh, so so anything to do around uh, you know uh, inspiring motivating persuading uh, yeah i think that that can go a long way along mm-hmm. with the the strategic and the technical know how mm-hmm. absolutely me i remember in the army we were always told when we studied military leadership that a lot of people think that leadership is about telling people what to do well if that was uh, what leadership was that you tell people what to do and they do it <laughs> then leadership would be the easiest thing in the world and it's anything but you know yeah. so it starts with developing the right virtues the right posture and the right habits and on that note uh because i'm also i also want to be respectful of your time i think or our uh, uh just expired but what would be your final word of advice for aspiring data leaders if uh you wanted to find a few key points to focus on as we move into the decade of data and there will be just so many opportunities you know there will be a lot of winners here but unfortunately there will be also realistically losers who fail to capitalize on that uh what would you advise them to focus on and prioritize to make the most of that uh potentially lucrative decade for all of us in data yeah absolutely and and uh, and the decade is going to be extremely uh, promising i mean uh, if you look at uh, one of the reasons that the the field has taken off is because of uh, the digitalization and the you know the data deluge uh, that has happened over over the last few years and the pandemic has just accelerated it right so everything is going online everything is going digital so that's going to create more and more uh, uh, you know sources of data and volumes of data um uh, there's going to be more and more need of automation in business processes and you know more innovation using ai uh, the governments are also now you know uh, taking a look at uh, taking a look seriously the french government is investing billions of dollars in artificial intelligence and uh, data analytics etc and also at the european level uh, there are certain interesting strategies coming up on the european uh, digital strategy on the U- european data strategy so i mean for sure in the next uh, decade this field is going to uh, uh, only grow exponentially uh, and with that obviously there'll be a lot of you know challenges which will uh, which will, which will uh, uh, come about um at you know the one of the things that i i felt uh, was really useful in my journey uh, is also to be have the ability to be hands on mm-hmm. hands on right so 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 uh, it's it's a small point but it goes a long way right so unless and until as a data leader if you uh, if if you don't uh, you know enjoy the whole process of actually uh, you know working with that data from the uh from the um uh collection uh, data generation uh point to uh, the whole you know the whole layers of you know process analysis uh, delivery and then 
then um, the the actual activation of of of, of that data uh, you don't appreciate that process and um, and as a data leader i think uh, uh, you need to be hands on technically for sure but also be hands on on the actual business side right so uh, i i felt that you know whenever i have uh, taken time to go and you know be on the field uh, uh, you know on the retail operations or let's say the uh, the airport uh, operations you know going and uh, you know being hands on uh, understanding the processes uh, working with the people who are actually in charge i mean that 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 has a huge value a huge value because over a period of time the um, you know most most of the tasks that we perform today are going to be automated right so you'll ha- you'll have automated automated machine learning you'll have automated data uh, collection uh, governance etc so what is the data uh, leader going to do or the data scientist going to do right so and that's the time when people will actually look at data scientists as uh people who are able to you know orchestrate these automated systems but first and foremost un- have that domain knowledge right right and they are going to look at uh, uh uh you know our tribe as uh a tribe who is able to create the bridges you know bridge- bridges mm. between the technology and between the uh, between the uh, the business right and 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 bring about change bring about change so along with the soft skills that you that you explained uh i think you know being hands on and understanding the business understanding the operations and also playing around on the technical side of things uh along with uh, all the things required to you know bring in that change i think if you if you keep your uh, uh focus on that um, and especially you know having that mindset where you want to start small you know try and fail quickly and then you know try uh, try and scale it up from there this i i, I think is going to be a very exciting time for uh, all experts around the world Hundred percent, and absolutely. I think you made a very good observation there. That the soft skills are very important, but they are mainly the enablers for you to uh, really, really leverage your technical knowledge and achievements, right? Because that's the soft skills and the communication, the effective communication, and the relationship building will remove obstacles from you, and will also enable you to make the most of what you've already. built and your experience and knowledge fantastic it was a great interview sid thank you very much for your insights um hope the audience enjoyed the conversation as well as i have and uh sid we hope to see you on the show uh, soon thank you so much laszlo for the for the invitation and it was a, a pleasure to talk to you and uh, hope to meet you soon Thank you.